This is the Well-Connected Twin Cities podcast, bringing you conversations about holistic health and wellness with local voices, so you can get to know the incredible experts we have access to right here in the Twin Cities. Have you heard about our new on-demand classes? You can learn from local experts in a variety of holistic wellness topics, from homeopathy to breathwork, yoga to cooking, and we've added several classes to provide support during pregnancy and postpartum. There's a ton of exciting topics to peruse, and you can find it all on our website. Each class is only $30, and you'll have lifetime access to the recordings and printable materials. You'll also be connected with these local practitioners and know who to go to if you want to explore these topics a little bit further. Check it all out on our website, wellconnectedtwincities.com. Welcome back to the Well Connected Twin Cities podcast. I'm your host, Lily Zaborowski, and in this episode, I sat down with Sarah Longacre, owner and founder of Bluma, which started as a prenatal yoga studio, but over the last 13 years, it has become so much more than that. She shares the story of how she got started in the birth world as a doula, what prompted her to open a prenatal yoga studio back in 2007, and how Bluma has grown and changed over the years. Birth and becoming a parent is hard, and not everyone has friends who are going through this transition alongside you. Building relationships and finding your little slice of community during this time is really important, and Bluma does a great job of connecting people through their classes and workshops. Sarah has so much to share, so let's jump into the interview. So I am here with Sarah Longacre, a doula, a yoga instructor, a small business owner, and a mama who has been a total birth nerd for the last 20 years. Welcome to the show, Sarah. Thank you, Lily. Thank you for having me. Thank you, everyone. A similar mama and uh, entrepreneur. So thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm so excited to dive into all things birth and supporting new parents with you. So let's begin with how you got started in the birth world. And then what led you to starting Bluma? Awesome. Well, it's one of my favorite questions and, and topics because I, I really want to paint the landscape and the picture for women, not only about birth, but wherever they are in their life. If you think you're on one path, there's always options. And that's one of my biggest things for women, for birth, for entrepreneurs. There's always options. You are never, you know, have to be on one um, pathway. So um, a long, long time ago, we can, we can sing way, way back many decades ago. In 2000, I went through my birth training in Portland, Oregon. And it's pretty uh, fun now teaching classes and thinking that my average age students are 30. And I'm like, you were 10 years old when I attended my first birth. And we always get a good laugh at that. But I think it really shows that I didn't do this just to dip my toe in it. It's a really tough career for many people to be a doula. You're on call. You're raising your own family, many people. A majority of doulas actually start because they were affected by their birth. A majority, I believe it's over 70, 80%, um, you know, go through a doula training because of the passion that they had around their birth, meaning they had a traumatic birth, 
Mm. or they had an amazing birth and they want others to experience that. Um, I definitely came at it different. I was in my mid twenties, um, drinking all the PBR I could in Portland, Oregon, when it was actually like not as hip as it is now. So I could actually get away with living there. Um, and I worked for that cute little small company named Nike. Oh yeah. And I was heading down that corporate road, you know, dating everybody on campus and getting all my shoe samples and just having a blast. Well, lo and behold, um, I came across this word and a woman who introduced me to the word doula. It was as if literally somebody came down from above and was like, boom. And I don't even know what happened, Lily, but I I'll never forget sitting in her living room. And she, she said, you know, a doula. And I said, well, that's me. It was just like, that's, that's who I am. I want to do this. And so going back a little bit further, um, I, I know people probably roll their eyes and they don't believe this, but I, I truly, when I was a little girl, I used to put pillows underneath my pajamas and I would close my door because I was embarrassed that I was playing that way. But I played pregnancy all the time. I didn't play birth, but I played pregnancy. Also along with that is my family is very open in many ways, we have boundary issues, but in the healthy way, we're very healthy about, well, I think we're healthy about our bodies. Um, we were taught that birth is normal. Mm -hmm. My um, uncle was actually at the birth of my brother, my mom's last child. He took all the pictures. So growing up, I, you know, five years older than my brother, I grew up with seeing a baby and a vagina and all of it seemed normal to me. I didn't know any different until the babysitter came over. We were dear friends with her. She was part of our family. She came over and my mom showed her the pictures, Lily, of her giving birth. Well, Mrs. Lehman called a couple days later and read my mom the riot act for showing her pictures of birth. Totally understand. We all have different, again, boundaries mm -hmm. and whatnot. But then I had a different thought in my mind. I was like, oh, so birth is scary and it's gross and it's not supposed to be talked about. So here I was living in this, this, this two-part place. Mm -hmm. so, so fast forward again, back to Nike, I decided to take the training. Just was like, let me try it. I went into my manager's office and I said, I took a doula training and I would like to talk to you about me doing this on the side, you know, just taking some births here and there. And her name was Amanda Houston. I'll never forget it. She leaned back in her chair and she looked at me and she goes, you are a doula. Oh. And it's just those blessings, you know, from a manager. Well, yeah. really, lo and behold, she hired me to be her doula a year oh. later. So it was just this beautiful support. Well, I basically ended up stalking every single pregnant person at the Nike campus. And remember, I mean, this is Nike in Portland, Oregon. Like everyone's between 25 and 45 or 50 and they're all dating. And I mean, I went to more weddings those years than, you know, anywhere. And so they're all getting pregnant. So anyone that I saw was pregnant. And I remember I went up to one woman and I was like, oh, how many weeks are you? Blah, blah, blah. And of course I wouldn't do it unless I knew she was really pregnant. And she's like, oh, I heard about you. You're the Nike doula. <laughs> <laughs> so you had a reputation. I had a reputation. So long, 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 too long of a story short. Um, I decided to quit my corporate job after attending about 20 births. Mm -hmm. I've been doing it for a few years in Portland. And I knew that if I was going to take such a big step and leave a 401k, health insurance, a phenomenal salary, a great group mm -hmm. of friends and people, I knew that I had to go back to Minneapolis because at that time, and it still is true, but in um, 2004, Minneapolis and Portland were the two best places um, to give birth. They, they've always kind of been rated top. And one of the reasons is the choices and the care that we have in maternity health. Mm -hmm. And one of those reasons is 
we have more doulas per capita than any other cities in the United States. I know that's changed a little. However, there's not a lot of great statistics because we're training so many women to be doulas. But sure. here's the thing. Out of every 10 women that go through a doula training, only three go on to attend births and only one goes on to be certified and make it her career. Wow. I'm not saying this because I don't want people to take training. Mm-hmm. So many people take training, doula training, because they're pregnant, because they're attending a birth of a friend. They don't want to make it their everything, because they're attending the birth of their daughter, possibly, um, because they're a nurse, because they're a midwife, because they're a prenatal yoga instructor. Mm-hmm. So there's so many other reasons, and a few of them actually want to possibly think about this as a career, mm-hmm. um, and which you can do. I mean, I, I I proved I proved that you can do it. You have to hustle big time. Um, so when I moved back here, I knew that it wasn't going to be easy. I knew it wasn't going to be handed to me on a silver plate. So I moved back to Minneapolis, but to be honest with you, I I moved back for my family and the support, but the biggest reason I moved back, um, obviously being the Twin Cities was forward in birth thinking, maternity health, maternal health, but because HCMC, the Hennepin County Medical Center actually had doulas on staff. Yes. I was born there. No, you were not. I was in 1982. Oh my God. I was right down the road at Abbott, <laughs> not 1982, but 75. That's okay. Yeah. I wish I was born at HCMC because yeah. yeah, that place is gold. My yeah. sister calls it like the secret golden treasure of birth in Minneapolis. It is. Yeah. I mean, great I had my first baby everywhere. there too. You did? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I did not well, you know, you got to go back. There was like the history there, right? I know. I know. Totally. Yeah. Totally. So you so, started yeah. at HCMC as a doula. And do you know how many births I got in my first six months? Like 150. Wow. You were at births every single day and you're taking two to three. So, and here's, here's kind of where the, the big punchline or the big thing to Bluma came. Mm-hmm. Lily, I'm with women for hours on end. of the families that I was working with, 90% of the birthing people that I was working with, we were not speaking the same language. They were English as a second language. Many of them were new to Minneapolis. Many of them were solo. They were by themselves. They didn't have a mom, a friend, a partner. Mm -hmm. Many of them were under the age of 20. And almost all of them did not have any childbirth education or knew anything about birth. They knew it because it's part of their culture, many of them. They knew it because they were raised with a lot of home births, but many of them were not. And I never will forget in in very kind of broken English and me trying to understand, a a woman said, where does the baby come out and how does this happen? So, I mean, that was it to then maybe a mom that I was with for possibly her fifth or sixth baby. And she, you know. They were allowed to have doulas because so many of the nurses were like, I can't be by her side and she needs someone. Yeah. So what ended up happening was that we weren't speaking the same language, but the language we were speaking was connection, was love, was safety, was breath. And the biggest one was movement. I encouraged the birthing person to get off of her back and out of the bed. And all of a sudden, what are we doing? We're on all fours we're squatting, we're sighing, we're reaching our arms up. And the more that I got into this dance with them and the more that I invited them, both of us, not just the birthing person, but myself to get in our bodies and to trust and to squeeze hands, to breathe, to look at each other's eyes, the more I started saying, well, this looks familiar. 
this is yoga. I started seeing so many connections. In yoga, we talk about effort and ease. Mm -hmm. In birth, we have to talk about effort and ease. We talk about saying yes. We talk about saying no. We talk about going a little bit deeper. We talk about that, you know, softness of pulling back. Mm -hmm. And the big one for me is Shavasana, the resting pose at the end. And that's what needs to happen in between contractions. Mm. And we're not teaching that. You yeah. know, teaching like prepare, prepare and work and work. And we, if you, you read all these books and if you do all these things. And I saw that really what was happening is that the birthing person just needed a connection, mm-hmm. someone next to them to love, to breathe, to hold, to do all of the things. And basically what happened is that self-connection needed to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what it really boiled down to for me was that I was living in a culture where I felt that women and birthing people and all of us were very disconnected from our bodies. I thought that we were doing way too much in our head and the overanalyzing and we call it information overload in birth. Mm -hmm. And I needed to switch that story and I wanted to get people back in their bodies. Well, again, we're talking 2004 and what else was happening in the country with 2004 was yoga was popping up on every corner. Mm -hmm. It's not nearly what it was in 2014, (laughs) but in 2004, I decided stop. It is time to bring yoga into the Twin Cities. I started looking at all the yoga studios, the, the, the tiny handful there were back then, and I saw a huge need for prenatal yoga. What happened was that I started teaching at these studios. Lily, no joke, on a Tuesday night, my first Tuesday, I think I had three or four moms. Within no joke, one month, I had over 20 students. Wow. This shows the need. Yeah. Childbirth education in the United States has had a downward spiral in the past two decades. Yoga has had a huge upward spiral. So I wanted to take advantage of doing childbirth education on a yoga mat. Mm -hmm. I wanted to get birthing people in positions that might not be comfortable and to ask themselves, what are they resisting? What can they soften into? And how do we get out of the thinking mind and drop deeper down? Mm -hmm. So that's, that's, one piece of it, but the big piece of it always has been for me. Let's go back a hundred years ago, 140 years ago. My very best friend in the whole entire world, Laura Ingalls Wilder. Laura Ingalls, tell me how she lived her life. Was she watching Netflix sitting on her butt? Which is fine. Love me some Netflix. Was she sitting at a desk all day though? Was she sitting in conferences? Was she driving to work? Was she hitting a microwave? Was she ordering? All of these are awesome things. I'm not putting, I love grocery shopping online. I love that I get to sit at a computer and work most of the time. But what's happening is that our pelvises are different. Our pelvises and our tailbones are being tipped. Our babies are not in what we call optimal fetal positioning. I wanted, you know, again, we're talking 20 plus women on a Tuesday night in downtown Minneapolis. Where were they coming from? They were coming from corporate Target. They were coming from corporate Wells Fargo. They were coming from U.S. Bank. They had been sitting all day kicking ass, doing great work, but I needed them to get on all fours. I needed them to give their bodies and babies a chance to open up and to breathe and to connect, connect to how strong they were, connect to how scared they were to be a mom and to feel their baby, connect to their baby, connect to their breath, and my big one, connect to community. Mm. They were working, many of them, in 
I'll remember one mom in particular, Beth. She was one of eight partners in her law firm and she was the only female. And here she is, oh, I'm just getting emotional thinking about it. She would come in at 36 weeks into this classroom and just go, oh my God, I'm not alone. I'm not alone. She would sit in meetings all day, you know, heartburn and babe moving and she'd kind of have to get up and move a little bit. And I'm sorry, they were not giving her the space that she needed that we all need when we're growing a child. And of course they'd ask, they go, oh, how are you doing today? But it wasn't like, these are my people. We used right. to live like Loring Goes Wilder in these tribes and villages. We used to come together as community. You would have your aunties, your sisters, your mamas, your midwives, you know, everyone in community caring for you while you squatted, scrubbed the floor, moved, Mm -hmm. um, milked the cows, went out on the farm, did all the physical things, and we're not doing that. So when we can have Beth walk into a yoga class, reminding herself that she's not alone, feeling the community, the strength, as we share and talk at Bluma about so many different topics, and getting on all fours, and inhaling and exhaling, she would step out of that mat, off that mat at 7.30 and go, thank you. Thank you for reminding me that I'm wanted and I'm needed and I have this community and thank you for reminding me about my baby. Yeah. So it was really powerful. And that's how we started. We started um, that way. And then I basically uh, found out that uh, it wasn't just about prenatal yoga. It was about chiropractic. It was about massage. Mm -hmm. It was about education and empowerment. And here's the biggest reason why I decided to take a huge, huge second leap and open a yoga studio because these mamas would have their babies and then I never got to see them. I'd see them in their prenatal classes and I never got to see them after. Yeah, you gotta come full circle, right? I, I opened it selfishly. I wanted to hold some babies in the lobby at Bluma. Yeah, that so, is one of the most magical things about it is. Yeah, being it is. at Bluma's, all the, all the babies, the little kids. It's just so fun. Yeah, so I really, when we opened uh, in 2007, so you know, quite a while ago, um, I intentionally put the prenatal yoga classes back to back with the mom and baby classes, because when you're pregnant and you're walking out the door at 39 weeks or whatever, how many weeks you are, and you're like, oh, what am I doing this again for? And there's the sweet babe, you know, in mom's arms sitting on the couch like, oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I needed to yes. remember that this is what I have to look forward to. Yes. And then I also love the routine of like, if you're used to coming to the same class for prenatal, then you just kind of shift an hour and then you're coming with baby after that. That's my plan. That's yeah. yeah. Gonna, the only problem is, is that we, we don't have long enough maternity leaves in the, uh, the United States. They need to be mm -hmm. more like six months to a year, like other countries. So you yes. coming then to the crawlers class and the, <laughs> the toddlers class. Totally. I think the funniest thing about watching working moms on Netflix, I'm sure you've seen that yes, a couple yes. of years ago or a year ago, um, was that... <laughs> I was watching it and I was like, wait, they're all going back to work and they have one-year-olds. What's going on? Oh, it's filmed in Canada. Oh, that's why. Exactly. They know how to do those Canadians. You know, I teach a lot of prenatal um, yoga teacher training um, in Canada and I always have to really change a lot of my literature because we have a lot of barriers and boundaries in birth in the United States um, economically, you know, so many different ways. And so when I go up to Canada, I'm like, oh, that's right. You all get a tub at your birth. You all get 
you know, all of this care and whatnot. So yeah, it's a whole, but we're, we're getting there, Lily. We're, we've, yeah. we, we've changed and mm-hmm. we're changing. And I, um, by the time my life is over, I know that we're going to see even bigger changes when it comes to um, maternal health and, um, and, and for all women in general. Yeah. Can you speak to a little bit about what has changed over the last 20 years that you've been in this world and what are some of the beneficial changes that you've seen? And then where do we have room to grow as well? And maybe weave in a little bit about what, like defining doula. Absolutely. Actually, let's start there. Let's would you, start there. Would let's you start. define what is a doula? Because I know a lot of people that aren't familiar with birth, haven't been through it yet. I just talked to someone the other day who was like, isn't a doula like a midwife? So that's kind of a myth we need to bust. But yeah, can you tell us about what is a doula? How do you define doula and what, what is their scope well, of practice? Let's, bu- what, let's bust some myths right now, right? Yeah. So um, my joke is always, um, you know, many people ha- uh, think of a doula as we're going to blow quinoa up your vagina um, and, you know, have only uh, your sparkles and your crystals and, you know, so on and so forth. I mean, yeah, maybe I have a crystal in my bag. I don't can't, it's probably a little dirty and dusty, but <laughs> so the word doula means doulos and that's to serve. And the doula was the highest household servant or slave way back. And the, the doula, the word doula is a Greek word. Mm-hmm. So we've been doing this for centuries, women supporting women. And this is the difference. We are women supporting women emotionally and physically. I like to say spiritually, but we are not doing the medical piece. My job is to not um, care for the, the, the health, meaning, you know, dilation, blood pressure. You know, I am there for the emotional and the physical support of the family. And I I really choose not to say the birthing person. I'm there for the family. I am hired, other doulas are hired as, some people call it a tour guide. Some people call it a cheerleader. So you and your partner are going to this country that you've never been, right? And even if you've had two or three kids, it's going to look like a different country, each birth. Every single birth is different. We all know this. I mean, yeah, you can make some of the same noises and you're like, oh, that's kind of what she does in birth. But in general, very different. I am hired to help you navigate, to help you feel safe, to tell you what currency to use, to tell you that when you come to that fork in the road, you do have choices. If you go take a left and if you go take a right, here are possibly what will happen. I have a lot of acronyms that I use. Um, What are the benefits of that? What are the risks of that? But mostly, and this is where it's come really, really far, I believe in my own doula practice, is I am hired to go beneath what any medical provider is going to ask. They're gonna ask some really beautiful, wonderful, basic questions. Midwives maybe you know, ask a little bit more, but I wanna to get to a place inside of you that really identifies what are you scared of about birth? What excites you about birth? And what about your partner? How invested? Watching the person that you love do one of the most intense physical acts of their life it can be really challenging. So I want to make sure that partner, because if you're connected as a, as a team, you're going to feel if your partner is nervous and anxious, you're going to take that energy on if you're a birthing person. So we help with that. The biggest thing that has changed 
is that 20 years ago, one, people didn't know the word. Mm-hmm. Two, it, mostly people identified it as if you wanted a natural birth. I mean, yeah. I, I can't have a doula. I don't want a natural birth. I love epidurals. Um, do you know who loves epidurals? I do. I mean, <laughs> I've never physically had one. I wish I could have one just to try it out. But I haven't physically had one. But I believe there is such a spectrum of birth. There's so many awesome choices. And sometimes there's not. Sometimes there's not. But if we can prepare before we go into the birth, if we can talk about it, tell me why you want an epidural. Because I'm scared. Tell me what you're scared of. We can get to some of those bigger root things. Tell me why you don't want an epidural. So um, one of my favorites is, well, I shouldn't say favorites, but one of the ones that I really um, dive deep to is so many people say, no, I want a natural birth. Okay, tell me what natural means to you. I want to go into labor at my by myself. I want to labor at home. I want to go to the hospital or the birth center, or maybe I'll have a home birth. I want to labor in the tub. Why is that important to you? Why is it important to you? You know what happens? A lot of times what I get, it's because it's what my friends are doing. Mm. It's because I feel like I have to, because that's part of the culture right now. And I need to prove it to myself. Wow. That's a lot of pressure. Yeah. You know, I want to, I want to be looked at in a certain way. Mm -hmm. Let's talk more. Let me, let me hear more. Then you have the people who are like, nope, I absolutely want an epidural. I absolutely don't want my partner there. And then maybe at the end of their pregnancy, they're like, okay, maybe I do want to try it or whatnot. I mean, do you think that when I was a 24 years old, at 24 years old, standing at, at Nike, having my awesome life, did you think that you'd say, guess what? At 45, you're going to own a yoga studio and you guys are going to talk about babies being born? Like, no. (laughs) But we don't know. And that's the mystery. And so this is the other piece that I try very hard as a doula. I want to bring back that mystery that we don't have control and we don't know the outcome. Mm -hmm. We live in a world where everything is so controlled. We have everything at our fingertips. And what does that make us? That makes us very type A and it also makes us anxious. Mm-hmm. In that, we bring that story with to us to our birth. And we forget that actually birth is mother nature, which is very hard to say because we are living in such a big, um, you know, a time with, with, with IVF. And that can be really hard. Sarah, why would I trust my body? Why would I believe in mother nature when I've been trying to get pregnant for three years, when I had to do four rounds of IVF, when I had a late, you know, miscarriage, all of these things, why would I trust? I totally get it. Mm-hmm. I totally, totally, totally get it. So we work through that. And we also talk about how we can surrender. And that's the yoga. That's the Shavasana. Mm-hmm. That's stepping on your mat and inhaling and exhaling. And then you have that doula right next to you. Who's like, stay with it, mama. Mm-hmm. You got this. And I feel like also helps you make those decisions in the present moment as things come up and stay stay with it, stay present and understand what are all of your options. Mm -hmm. So you don't feel pressured into something or feel like your power is taken away in those decision, decision decision-making times. Amen. You know, we know that the way that a woman, um, a birthing person was treated during her birth, the way she was spoken to, the way she was treated, she takes with her forever. Mm. It will be a part of her journey and how she identifies herself as 
a mom, as a dad, as a care provider. Mm -hmm. She believes that she had a healthy baby and she had a birth, but she will always remember the visceral feeling of what it was to give birth. Mm -hmm. And I'm not talking about the intensity of a contraction. I'm talking about the way that the nurse maybe (sighs) made her seem like she was annoyed with her. You know, especially in the Midwest, we all want to behave. We don't know how to please each other. I don't, you know, Sarah, I just don't want to make you mad at birth. I'm like, you are paying me. You hired me. I do not care what about me. I my, my agenda is off the table. Yeah. I am here to be that support. I think that's a big myth too, is that a lot of people think, oh, I'm going to curse and I'm going to swear at you and I'm going to bite and push you. Nope. When you have a doula, if she or he is a phenomenal doula, they get you in such a zone that like, yeah, you might be like, oh shit, oh God, uh," you know, you might say that, but you're not swearing and cursing because you feel safe. Mm. I mean, let's break this down back to Laura Ingalls Wilder. Who was giving birth with her where she lived on the farm? Animals. Her, her, oh, her (laughs) animals, yeah. Yes. So she knows that an animal, when they go into labor, where do they go? They're not standing out in the middle of the street, right? Mm-hmm. Animals go to small, dark, quiet, calm places where they're not being watched. Well, we're animals and we need to take those birthing people right back into that place. Mm-hmm. Dark, cozy, not being watched. The same place that we go as humans for two other things bowel movements and making love or having sex or doing whatever you want to call it at your house. And totally, I get it. People have group sex and people have people over and that's fine. But mostly two very intimate, intimate things where we have to be crazy vulnerable. I mean, when was the last time you went into a room with three strangers and opened up your legs? Right, right. And all of a sudden- we want people to do that? Like, yeah. yeah. So thinking back to, you know, early 2000s versus now and thinking about places that people are giving birth, have hospitals and birth centers and hospitals gotten better in that regard? Like thinking about the lighting or the number of people that are coming in and out. Um, has it gotten better? Do you want to speak to that a little bit? <laughs> or is there still room to grow? We have mountains. Hmm. We have mountains and yet it's gotten better, yes. So here's the statistic. One in three women believe or have the experience or say that their birth was a traumatic experience. And that trauma is all over the board. I mean, we're talking fast births, we're, you know, all over the board. And I think most people think, oh, you had a traumatic birth because you had an induction or a C-section or whatnot. Those are actually not nearly as traumatic as the way that the woman was treated. So that's a big one. Yeah. I think we've come far in that. Um, I think we've come far in, well, I mean, one thing I know for sure is that when I opened Bluma, there was not one freestanding birth center. And now we wow. have four in Minneapolis. Nice. Um, there was not one, um, there was two hospitals that actually had birthing tubs. And I'm not saying you have to birth in the tub. Like, please don't get me wrong. You don't have to birth in the tub. You can labor in the tub. 100%. Right? Yes. I personally requested the water birth room, even though I didn't think I necessarily wanted a water birth, but I was like, I can change my mind at any time. Maybe I will stay in. Maybe I'll hop out. 
Exactly. Didn't quite hop out, but I got out. You got out. No, but it's a place <laughs> for comfort. It's what we call the water dural, right? Yes. So that has come very, very far. Mm-hmm. I think we've come far in, um, so many people say, well, no, I can't eat and drink during labor. I think that's changed quite a bit. I, we, the, all the evidence shows, and that's what this comes down to is evidence. Mm, yes. Let's start looking at the evidence. We know that there's a higher rate of cesareans when women are actually not eating and drinking during their birth because you're getting dehydrated. You need to tell your body that you're what? What did we already learn today? That you're safe. Mm-hmm. So when you're safe, you're being fed. So that's come a long way. Um, the number of midwives attended births, C-sections, uh, the number goes up and down. And, and this is, I think this is important for your, for your listeners to know that the C-section rate worldwide should be, the ACOG, World Health Organization, says that we should see it between 8 and 10%. Well, we're talking about several hospitals in the Twin Cities that have around 40%. Mm-hmm. 30, you know, and yes, some of them that have a higher one say that they're a high risk hospital, meaning, um, I mean, everything from twins to, you know, to so many other things, which I absolutely understand, but ACOG does take that into consideration. Yeah. So, I mean, again, I think a lot of cesareans, um, we, we jump too quickly. Uh, I think that there's a lot of overanalyzing and over, you know, we know that as soon as the Doppler came in, so listening to heart tones, and we know that that number totally changed a vaginal birth as opposed to a cesarean birth. Um, but I also think, I will say this, and I feel very, very strongly about this and uh, very passionately about this, 20 years ago, maybe even 15 years ago, um, we had cesareans so differently. Tell me more. They were absolutely more medicalized. The partner was not allowed to be there. I had a very hard time used used to getting into cesarean births. The cesarean births that I am seeing now in 2020 and 2021, they're amazing and they're the way they should be. Mm. The woman is birthing her baby and that's what we want. The family is birthing their baby. They are absolutely so much more open to being possibly able to watch. Um, The hands are not, they used to have to be strapped down. They can hold their baby. They're talking about their baby. I've seen such a shift night and day in the OR itself. 15 years ago, I stood at a woman's side and the uh, obstetrics who were, were helping her with her cesarean, even though the baby was out, they were talking about the Vikings game. Oh, People, I just birthed my baby. She said, you need to stop. Yeah. This is, sacred. this is sacred space. This is not the time. I feel like that. And I really have seen a couple hospitals. Lynn Jabot at Abbott Northwestern has taken the cesarean very, very high. She's asking doulas constantly, what can we do to change this? How can we be? Um, because birthing a cesarean, having a cesarean is birth. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I never want a mom to say, I just wish I would have known something different. I wish I could have done it differently. Mm-hmm. That is a part of the story. And when we have to make it seem like she failed, that is, breaks my heart. And that's, that's a big thing that's changing too. Um, I am a Gaskin, probably the most world-renowned midwife, talks a lot about the language that we're using and hypnobirthing talks about this as well. But we use words like failure to progress uh, you're, you're calling me a failure? You're calling my cervix a failure? No, no. So I think we are changing, Lily, but I, but I also, um, 
A lot of doulas, I will be honest, that I'm very close to have actually had to leave the birth world because they continue to see the abuse that's happening. And so this is where I feel like my platform is to not sit here and share with you or anyone else like, yes, birth is amazing. And we've come so far and do your prenatal yoga and have your doula and it's all going to be great. No, birth is really hard work. Being a parent is really hard work. And navigating this new life of asking for what you need is really hard work. And when you're in a field that is not caught up, to the evidence. You know, what do they say? As soon as that evidence comes, it takes a full eight years for it to actually get into our system. That's a long time. For most people, they've already had their three babies in that eight years. Right. So, and and, the, and another myth too that, that we will talk about uh, just for a quick moment is that people think that it's like doula against the care provider. Mm. Maybe not as much as the midwife people might think, but oh, my OB, you know, won't, that is deaf. I mean, I rarely hear, I did hear it last week. Oh, my OB said I didn't need a doula. You know, I'll be getting an epidural anyway. Great. Who's going to help you with your epidural when you're feeling nauseous? Who's going to help you, you know, all these things. So I don't hear that nearly as much now. Obstetrics, um, nurses are like, thank God you got a doula because they're going to help you prior. That's one thing I really share is that I'm not here for just your birth. Mm -hmm. I mean, you think my phone leaves my side? I got two questions today, literally an hour before we hopped on this. One was asking for um, books that we need to look at because um, she's high, got some high glucose. And so what can she start to read and to, to take in to learn? And then another one was um, she's 36 weeks and already her care provider is talking about stripping her membranes. That's to help induce labor. And that's pretty early. And yeah. so I'm going to walk her through. Tell me how that feels to you. What are the pros? What are the cons? Am I going to give her my opinion? No, I want her to get there on her own. Mm -hmm. I want to empower her to find her voice. I'm not coming in with an agenda. And so what did we do? We went through all the steps. So like, tell me how that feels to you. She's like, well, I think that's pretty early, right? I'm like, well, for some people it is. Was she concerned about your baby? So I get them to get to their own answer on their own. And so that can be a big difference that people think, oh, you're just there for my birth. I'm like, nope, actually my hard work actually comes a lot of time before, <laughs> especially if they're a second time mom. And they had a traumatic birth for their first, or if they had a great birth, I've had someone hire me and they're like, my birth was so amazing at my first, I didn't have a doula, but I'm really scared that I'm not going to have that same birth. And so I'm going to have a doula. So those are myths. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just like, oh, you're the co-op granola mom. So I have to get a birth. Nope. That's not who you are. Every single birthing person around this world deserves to have someone next to them, cheering them on, educating them on, feeding them crying with them, moaning with them. That is what we deserve because our babies need to be born in a space of peace in a place of love in a place of confidence. Mm -hmm. And that doula can bring in so much of that. Yeah. And, and that's why, that's why I love my work is that I, I, I believe that when you bring life onto this earth, which I believe is my future, it's all of our futures, these children that are coming, um, I want them to be born really safe and really empowered and full of peace and love. Mm -hmm. Love that. And so going back to, you know, doulas aren't just for a natural birth, right? They do so much more than just supporting mom when she's in labor, right? So how do you find a doula that is right for you? How do you know, like, what type of doula is going to be best for you? 
So good. Thank you. The doula that is not right for you is the one that your girlfriend, your neighbor, someone at work says, oh my gosh, you'll love her. She was great. You'll love, you have to hire her. Well, that's like saying like, you're going to love my husband and you're, you should have married him, right? Yes. I love referrals, but just because I was good for your sister, your boss, your neighbor, your cousin, doesn't mean that I'm going to fit for you. So I have a very hard and fast rule. You have to interview at least three doulas. Mm -hmm. And I really encourage you and the person that you're birthing with, if you have a partner to be there as well. Um, For me, I don't care how many births she's been to. I don't care if she's had a cesarean, her own. I don't, that doesn't matter. It is 100% about energy and about how you feel with this person. I, hands down, was just as great at my first birth as I was at my 620th birth that I had last week. It is the energy that you bring into the space and how you connect with that person. Mm. I have so many friends who have given birth and they're like, should you come to my birth? I'm like, nope. Nope, because I know I'm not the right fit for them. Now, my best friend, Anne, my sister, I could be their doula. I could do that. But for others, I'm not supposed to be their doula. I want them to meet a minimum of three other doulas to say, how do I feel in front of her? Can I, can I feel confident that she's going to not judge me? Can I feel confident she's going to hold my hair when I'm puking over the toilet? <laughs> Does this person make me feel relaxed and comfortable? And it's not, it's not about anything other than that. That's how I feel. And that's hard for some people because they're like, well, no, you know, I loved your website. I'm like, okay, well, I'm not my website or, you know, whatnot. So yeah. 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 Absolutely. So one of the unique things about Bluma too, is there are so many doulas that are within the Bluma community. Um, Do you want to talk a little bit about the, what Bluma is today? Cause we talked about it at the beginning and how it got started, but what is it like today? What do you guys offer and what can new parents find in this community? Thank you. So Bluma is that line that I refuse to use, but I'm going to use cause I can't figure out another one to use, but it's everything that you need in pregnancy under one roof. We just don't sell breast pumps. <laughs> <laughs> um, Bluma is a place where you step in, um, whether you're taking a virtual class or you're in person with us, that you feel seen and heard through yoga and movement and community, that you get to use your voice, you get to share your name, you get to say how many weeks you are, and you start to maybe get possibly triggered. Like, oh, I didn't know I'm not, I, wow, I didn't know, oh gosh, that's, I'm feeling that inside of me. Oh, this is really bothering me. Okay, so what's showing up for you? Like, I wanna get to that place. Luma has all of the fitness classes that get you in your body but we also have the education that get you confident and empowered in your head mm-hmm. between hypnobirthing, between our regular childbirth education classes that are all evidence-based Lamas. You can take four weeks, you can do a two week series between our newborn classes, our breastfeeding classes, and then you get wellness. I'm talking acupuncture, massage, um, chiropractic. It's all here and we all really speak the same language. And that language is you are creating the future, you are creating life, and you deserve to be treated so awesomely and deserve to be treated where you're met. If you walk in here and you're like, I got this, great, do it. If you walk in here going, I don't know what I'm doing, great. And that's my big thing, my big, big thing. You don't have to love being pregnant at Bluma. You don't have to love being a mom at Bluma. You can be a fully 
angry, scared, pissed off pregnant person, and you are welcome here. Mm-hmm. And then you get to take all these classes, you get to meet a bunch of people, and then you're like, oh, I got to see what this doula thing is. So our doulas are actually teaching classes here. They're teaching childbirth ed, they're teaching yoga, they're teaching postpartum care. And so you're like, okay, I took a class with Sarah Longacre. She is way too crazy for me. I did not like dancing with her. Oh, but I took from Izzy last week. Izzy's a doula. She's way more my type, way more grounded. Great, you get to hire Izzy. So we have a potpourri of doulas. Um, there's five of us on the team. And you get to see, you know, what, how, who is going to be this person. And you don't just get one doula, you get two of us. We do everything in a partnership because we believe that you deserve to hear, you know, different points of, of view and you get to meet different people. So you have a whole team. So right now that's really what we have at Bluma. We are from the well, and actually we're doing a ton of fertility classes and a ton of birth control classes, natural birth control and a bunch of other things. So we're trying to really open up that space. And because I'm 45, guess what I'm introducing now to Bluma? Tell me. Menopause. Oh. I'm not quite going through it yet, but many people are, you know, I have, these, I have these moms that came to Bluma 13 years ago. They're like, okay, yeah, this was really fun, but I'm on a whole nother page. I'm like, that's <laughs> So we're bringing in menopause workshops. Um, and one of, one of my heartfelt ones is the sisterhood of loss. Mm-hmm. So I gave birth um, to my daughter, Sophia Love. She was 21 weeks when I lost her. And uh, so we have a group that meets and we talk about loss and we say our children's names and we own that space um, for them to be heard. So loss is a really, really, really big one for me. And um, my daughter, Sophia Love, that people are like, oh, you're talking about losing your baby in these walls? I am. Because guess what? It's part of birth. Sure is. I just teared up when you started talking about that. She's Um, my babe. She's my babe and she deserves to be talked about, right? Like she saved my life. She saved my life. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And I just think, you know, you you created this community where it is all welcome, you know, and I've been in prenatal classes and mama baby classes and, um, it truly feels like you can share what is coming up for you. We've had moms, you know, that have had multiple miscarriages and are feeling scared about a new pregnancy and are able to share that with a group in a class and just, and speak that truth and feel that support of the group and the energy that is brought um, to support those moms is really, really special. It's huge. It's huge. It's huge. And I think that how can you step on your mat in a space and really own like, I'm scared because I've had so many miscarriages and I'm 20 weeks pregnant and I don't believe in this. Like, where do you get to say that in an open forum where you have a mom sitting next to you being like, thank you so much for just saying that out loud. I needed someone to say it. So that's what we are at Bluma. And I couldn't be more proud of how far we've come. And, um, and, you know, with, with the pandemic that we all experienced in 2021, Bluma got really, really clear that we are not just about in person and forever. I was like, I will never go on I will never have virtual classes. I, this is a connection. I can't believe the families that we're meeting now, Lily. We are having families from all over the country because they can take our classes online. I have a mom who comes from San Francisco and the same class, one comes from New York City and they're both taking. And you can do our on-demand classes and you can be a part of this so that you're not feeling so alone, you know, whether you're in person or you're online. It's mm-hmm. you need to be seen and heard. And that's what we're here for. Yeah. A hundred percent. Oh. 
Well, thank you so much. Thank Sarah, you. Lily. Thank you for your time. Thank you for letting me be a huge birth nerd. And um, I think the biggest thing that I would just really love to share with everybody is that um, at the end of the day, I want to make sure that you know that you have choices. You have choices as a woman, as an entrepreneur, you have a choice in childbirth, you have a choice in how you're going to raise your children. And if we really dive into our intuition, something that we're not taught to do, if we dive into our intuition, the answers are there, but it's about becoming really still and turning down the noise and uh, getting off of social media. Oh yes, that's a big one. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Well-Connected Twin Cities podcast. We would love your help getting the word out to more local people in the Twin Cities. Would you take a moment and give us a review on Apple Podcasts? Take a screenshot of the podcast and share it on social media and let other people know about these stories that we are sharing. Thank you so much for being here.